The lesson this morning is from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, the three wise men. Listen now for this very familiar story. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we have observed his start its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. And he sent them on to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they heard the king, they set out. And there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and knelt down and paid him homage. Opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is the day the Lord has made. We rejoice and are exceedingly glad in it. Our often familiar words that are heard in this sanctuary as we begin to worship. But today at First Presbyterian Church is the day that the Lord has made, a big day in which we have heard a report from the pastor nominating committee and one that we've been waiting on for about three years in order to see about a new day, a new era, a new beginning in the life of this congregation in terms of pastoral leadership. Now, I doubt many of you will listen to much of what I've got to say this morning because your hearts and minds are someplace else, and I understand that. But yet it seems to me that there's an opportunity in every experience in life for us to discern what is the providence of God. That today was just not luck or or coincidence, but what is the theological insight that might be coming to us on a day like this in the life of this congregation? How can God be working through us and for our future? In the Thanks for Listening piece that I wrote this past week, I introduced the notion of liminal space, a relatively new term for me, but one that has a lot of meaning, I think, for our situation now. It comes from the Latin, and it means threshold, any point or any place of entering. A liminal space is between what was and what is yet to come, a place of transition, a place of waiting, a pace of anticipation. I think this concept fits First Church Richmond very well. In fact, I would suggest that we have been in a liminal space since December the 16th, when the session voted to call a congregational meeting to hear the final report of the PNC. And this space will continue from now until February 6th, when the new pastor arrives on the field. But let me illustrate a little further about liminal space. I'm told it's an architectural term, so those of you that are architects, I may have it right and I may have it wrong, just bear with me. 
Liminal space could be a hallway or a liminal space in a building or it could be a stairwell. Those parts of a building that connect from where you were to where you're going. So, for example, the hallway down towards the sanctuary from the parking lot is a liminal space in which you traverse it in order to come to the sanctuary. The stairwell going to the second floor is also a liminal space able to go up to the second level. I think they're important parts of buildings. They're not places we live in or we socialize in necessarily, but they're places to help us from point A to point B. It seems like in these spaces, there are opportunities to make decisions. For example, you leave from the parking lot, headed to the sanctuary, and you go to the fellowship hall, or you go to the restroom, or you go to a classroom itself. Realizing where you've come from and where you're headed, you make decisions about a future that's not completely clear or worked out. Richard Rohr, a theologian, I think is helpful in his description about liminal space. He says liminal space is where we are betwixt and between the familiar and the completely unknown. There alone is our old world left behind while we're not sure of what the new existence is going to be. There's a good space where genuine newness can begin. It's a sacred space in which we appreciate where we've come from and open to bigger possibilities of where we're headed. If we don't encounter liminal space in our lives, then we idealize normalcy. The threshold, liminal space, is God's waiting room, where we're taught openness and patience as we come to expect an appointment with the divine physician, God himself. We, to me, have these moments in our lives all the time. If you've been engaged to be married, that engagement period is the liminal space. If you're waiting in a a waiting room at the hospital for someone to get news about their surgery and how well it went or didn't go. If you have been offered a new position and you consider it and have to make a decision of whether you're going to take it or not. If you become pregnant, the time during pregnancy is the time of liminal space to contemplate where your future is. But there's also numbers of illustrations throughout the scriptures about people who've remembered their past and have to make a decision of what their future is going to be. The three wise men I just read about knew their past, of they had seen the star and they were headed there, encouraged by King Herod, and then they were warned not to go back to him and they had to make a decision. The prodigal son comes to my mind as a perfect person in liminal space when the scripture says he came to his senses and had to decide, am I going to live with the pigs or am I going to go home to what I don't know how I'm going to be received? The woman at the well who was told by Jesus to go and sin no more had to decide if she was going to continue her old life or if she was going to embrace a new life. And the poor rich young ruler When he got told to sell all you've got and give to the poor, I know it had to be a struggle for him of what he should do or not do. And then Mary and Elizabeth, when they learned they were pregnant, what were they going to do with this birth of Jesus the Messiah as well as John the Baptist? Even Jesus himself in the garden struggled with whether to take this cup or let it pass from him. And yet he accepted it. And the stories continue. 
We are in a liminal space as a congregation, appreciating our past, voting on a new pastor, and now about to enter a new era and time in the life of this church. It's a great time to pause and to reflect on your desires and your involvement in this congregation. How will you treat this time as you greet a new pastor? How will you spend time to get to know her as your pastor? How will you as pastor and people embrace the future at First Presbyterian Church? I think it's a pregnant moment, a time for us to recommit ourselves to the worship and work of this church, a time to be supportive of a new pastor who comes to labor among us, a time to dream dreams of things we never thought possibly could happen in this place. I've always felt, and I feel it even stronger being with you since October, that this congregation is a sleeping giant. That even though you've been 200 years, and you may be a slow learner, the, po <laughs> the potential in this congregation has never been realized. And it seems that this might be an opportune time to see what God is calling you and us to do together as Amy comes to be pastor. You are a great congregation, a strong community, faithful folks, but the potential here is unlimited and only limited by what you would hold back on. Two quick observations. Your, future, your journey into the future is not a solo journey. It is not 1,200 people going on their own individually walking into the future alone. We believe very strongly that God walks with you and that God is alongside of you as you embrace a new future, as you embrace a new tomorrow, as you embrace a new pastor. So remember that you don't stand alone, but God is on this same threshold with all of us as we peer into that future. And secondly, you're going to mess up. There's going to be some times in the future in which you mess up as a congregation. And there's going to be some times when Amy steps on something she didn't know was there. Because there are some traditions in this church that are almost biblical in some people's <laughs> minds. And until she gets to learn what those traditions are and their sacredness, she's going to stumble. All pastors do. And that's nothing negative towards her. But there needs to be grace. And there needs to be a realization that God will take whatever you do, even the mess-ups, and will do God's will. God will take whatever happens in the future in order to craft and to mold a new direction for the life of this congregation. So my question is, what can be our hesitation? What is there for us to lose? And what is God nudging you personally in this liminal space about your involvement and about your commitment? This space of time is a gift. Receive it from God Almighty. It's a grand opportunity in the next month, February 6th, in order to think about and to pray about and to consider what God is calling you to be. Get ready for this time. Get set for this time. And watch what God's marvelous hand will do with all of us through all of this time. I close with a prayer from Thomas Merton, which I think summarizes our situation better than I can myself. Pray with me. My Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. 
Nor do I really know myself, and the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I actually am. But I believe that the desire to follow your will and to please you does in fact please you. And we as a congregation hope we have that desire in all that we're doing. We hope that we'll never do anything apart from that desire. And we know that if we do this, you will lead us by the right road, though we may know nothing about it. Therefore, will we trust you always, though we may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death. We will not fear, for you are ever with us, and you never will leave us as we face the future together. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.